sit down and buckle up. It's time for the Pirate Monk Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Pirate Monk Podcast. Yes, we're coming to you live and in person. I don't know. That's not true, Aaron. Is it's, that true? Is it true. live it's or not person? true? It's it's. Well, I mean, we're in person. It's live for us. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, we're live. Yeah. Yes. Okay. It's, I, it's sort of true, but not <laughs> totally true. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. We're recording some stuff that will be, sh- you know, sent off into the ionosphere, uh, where it will live uh, perpetually. Well, and, and, who knows and this, and this particular it, but, interview that you're doing. Yeah. There was all kinds of weird stuff that happened. If this is yeah. recording now, what yeah. didn't happen a few days ago mm-hmm. is happening well now because I couldn't even be a part of the interview. I know. I know. That was one of the most bizarre things. We're all set up. I, I actually got into the conversation late. You'd been talking with Adam Young for quite some time. Yeah, we were uh, fine. But- we were cool. Yeah, and as soon as we started up the machinery to record uh, the interview, uh, something went haywire. We it could said not I sucked. You. It said <laughs> it's my fault. I don't know why. I don't know yeah. what happened. We're doing yeah. fine now, maybe. But yeah, I didn't get to be a part of the conversation. Yeah. So we can speculate, you know. So was that divine intervention? Did God no, not want you was, to be a part of it? It was probably because of my sin. That's what <laughs> I, you know, I had sinned in some way, and yeah. God was like, I'll punish you. Yeah. Who see? sinned, this man or his parents? That, uh... <laughs> hey, it's, it's too soon, man. It's too soon. <laughs> it's not my parents' fault. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. b- before we get to that interview that I didn't get to be a part of, I would mm-hmm. love to have another question from Albuquerque. Sean, give us the intro. It's questions from Albuquerque. Questions from Albuquerque here on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Nate, here's a question from Albuquerque. Okay. How much of your addiction did you share with your wife? Is it better to not go into detail with your spouse? Mm, yeah. Well, you know, I, it, the short answer to me is uh, it is better not to go into detail with your spouse because she cannot unhear, cannot see, unsee what she has heard and what she has seen. However, uh, it's, it's the, it's the spouse's choice. I mean, they make the call. How, how much detail do they need? Okay. Uh, let me, let me pause you there. Yeah. Because so many spouses, when they're faced with that, that moment that they mm-hmm. find out, they want to know everything. Yeah. Right. And so it feels like, okay, I get that. I totally yeah. get that. Yeah. But we, every spouse who has experienced that kind of betrayal trauma Mm -hmm. needs to be walked through that process. Yes. And so somebody has to be a part of that. Yeah. And I think that's why so many of the conversations we've had on this topic matter to me, where it's like, okay. Pause, take a pause, take a mm-hmm. breath. 
Mm -hmm. because most people, whether it's a man who's been betrayed or a woman who's been betrayed, will rush to the tell me everything. Everything. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I get that. Yeah. But that's not necessarily the most healthy place. Yeah. Yeah. So talk to me about that. Well, let's talk about what they don't need. Here's what you don't do. You don't lie. You don't say, I did this and nothing else if there is something else. Because what can what is just really so damaging long-term is this drip, drip, drip of discovery and disclosure. Oh, my gosh. Dude, right? I have gone through so many disclosures where people disclosed, and then it, there was a second one, right, and then right. a third one, and that ended up being the most damaging part. So, right. yeah, I'm with so you. So you don't lie. You don't lie. But uh, it also is inadvisable, I think, without a third party, without some help, without community (laughs) in some form to help hold this thing together during this difficult time. It can be destructive to just download every dirty detail right from the start. Uh, the, The betrayed spouse can be operated, can be operating under the flawed assumption that peace is going to be found in knowing everything. Or every ugly detail. Yes, the spouse has to know how deep the betrayal went. Uh, I think that, however, you're going to pay a price. You know, if it gets to the point where the spouse thinks, I'm going to have some peace if I know every single episode where it happened, now I'm going to start poisoning places in my environment Yeah, because I can't go anywhere near that that play, you know, without thinking that meme that's triggered. Right. That's right. Every physical detail of the of the person with whom uh, my partner was intimate, one way or another. Now all that does is give me fuel for comparison, self criticism, and self hate. That's a lot of detail that I really don't need, and I, I'm grateful. That my wife, who kiddingly says that, you know, denial is her. Sp- superpower. It's, um, Allie did not want, did not ask for, did not demand all that detail. She somehow had an instinct that she, to know that she would live with those for the rest of her life. And she would rather not know she needed to know the broad strokes. Yeah. So we're talking about two different things. So let's be very clear. Yeah. There's the person that wants to say, okay, I'm disclosing. And then mm-hmm. they're choosing, oh, I'm going to disclose everything. So that makes it feel better to me. Okay, you're yeah. speaking to that. Yeah. But to the person who is being disclosed to, mm-hmm. I think there is that pause and get a third party involved. Yeah. That's yeah. so important. Yeah. yeah. Because in those moments, you want to know things that you might really not want to know, but how could you know that you don't want to know it if someone doesn't say, <laughs> okay, hold on. Yeah. If if you don't want to be the with this person, don't be with them. Right. If you want to go towards healing, here's yeah. things you have to know about those things and get yeah. somebody else. Don't ask the person who has betrayed you to explain what you should or shouldn't know. They're not the person. Right. Yeah. Get another person involved. Yeah. 
And I, oh my gosh, I'm saying that and I'm thinking, but I don't trust a lot of people. Get like someone who's good. How do we know if they're good? <laughs> Nate? Damn oh, it. Yeah. How do you uh, well, know if that person's good? But thank, thankfully, a lot has happened in the last 20, 25 years, and there is a growing cadre of trained professionals who, who ha, uh, actually know how to guide a couple through the difficulties of disclosure. Okay, so somebody needs to, if they, if they have gone through, wow, my spouse just told me this stuff mm-hmm. happened. Mm-hmm. They need to look for someone that has experience right. in betrayal trauma, in what? Right. What yeah. else yeah. should they look for? What do they Google? Because they're all going to Google it. <laughs> what, <laughs> what should they Google? I'm now, well, now I'm, I'm putting you on the spot. But Well, look for ideally, a, I'm going to say a Christian therapist, because you want somebody who understands the gospel. This is all got. This has all got to be done in an atmosphere of uh, grace and truth, right? Uh, but also look for somebody who has some training as a therapist, somebody who is perhaps a certified sex addiction therapist, so somebody who has training and experience in uh, you know, a trained marriage and family therapist, and there are a whole bunch of them out there. Uh, but do ask the questions. Do you have experience in disclosure? And can you help us through the disclosure process? Yeah, disclosure is the biggest part. And hey, if you don't feel comfortable with them, that's that's my biggest thing to people. It's, mm-hmm. it, this is like dating. Just because you pick a therapist, a counselor, mm-hmm. a marriage and family therapist, if you meet with them and they're asking you questions and I don't know, communicating in a way that you don't feel comfortable with, mm-hmm. then, okay, date somebody else. <laughs> you are not obligated to marry the first person you date. And that's okay. Yeah. Like, yeah. take your time, take a breath, do not push into things before you have someone you feel comfortable with. Yeah. And it might take two or three not everybody's great. I mean, Nate's great. I'm amazing, but you know. <laughs> okay, not really. Right. Whatever. Hey, we do have an amazing therapist that we're talking to. Well, in this geez, let's get to that. Whether or not I'm a part of it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll be back with Adam Young in just a moment on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Hey guys, Chris Inman here, Samson brother. If you're like me, I know you're so grateful for the connection and vulnerability that you found as a part of the Samson Society. But what's next for you? What are you going to do to take your next steps into healing that will get you to the place of freedom, purpose, and deep relational connection that you were always meant for? If you're interested in taking those next steps, I invite you to investigate porn-free masculinity. At Porn Free Masculinity, we will guide you on your transformative journey to break free from the shackles of porn addiction and discover the connection and purpose you've always longed for. You'll gain valuable insights, practical strategies, and even more supportive community to help you along the way. It's time to unleash your potential and create the life you know you deserve. This is a path I've walked, and I know you can walk it too. Start your journey toward a brighter future by connecting with us at pornfreemasculinity.com today. 
Well, welcome back to the Pirate Monk Podcast. Boy, we are privileged to have with us as our guest this week, none other than Adam Young, host of the The Place We Find Ourselves podcast, therapist, author, speaker, and the guy who will be the featured speaker, the uh, keynote speaker at the upcoming National Summit, first weekend in November at Sky Ranch in Texas. Adam Young, thanks for joining us. You bet. Thanks for having me, Nate. This is fun. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, I understand you are uh, hard at work on another book. I am. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's. Are you finding? Let me ask you this: As somebody who you know, I sit down to write, and sometimes the hardest thing to do uh, is to decide what it is I'm going to write about. It's narrowing my focus. I tend to be kind of scatterbrained anyway. Is that a challenge for you or do you, or do you sit down knowing exactly what you're going to write about? No, I, I don't know exactly what I'm going to write about, but I have stuff that's inside of me that needs to come out. And so one of <laughs> yeah, the ways yeah. to get it out is with a keyboard and a screen. Uh-huh. 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 Yeah. Do you find that the writing in itself clarifies your thinking? Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 I find the same thing. Uh, you are, uh, you know, a big theme of your work is story. Uh, is your writing uh, uh, story-based narrative? Do you do a lot of uh, narrative stuff or, yeah? It, it is in this book. This book yeah. is uh, tentatively titled Your Life Makes Sense. And the subtitle is Explore Your Past and Understand Your Present. I don't know if that's the title that'll make it to print, but that's the tentative uh-huh. title. Um, yeah. and it's, it's very much story-based. As a matter of fact, I share a lot of my story in it. The, the premise of the book is that by understanding and exploring our stories, particularly in our growing up years, hmm. we can understand the way we think, feel, and act in the present. Yes. And that yeah. without yeah. looking at the past, very often we really don't understand why we do think and feel the things that we do think and feel. And that alone mm-hmm. can be agonizing for people because, yes. yeah. be, because we, we, we don't want to be doing what we're doing or feeling what we're feeling, but we don't even understand why we're feeling these things. And so therefore yeah. it's hard to move in a direction that's positive. Mm, I have, uh, you know, written some memoir. I like going back over my own life. I'm now actually working through a, a marvelous workbook that that challenges me. It asks, it asks me, it prompts me with a, a question about my life every day, and it's got a year's worth of writing. So I, I'm having a wonderful time exploring my own story. What surprised surprised me, Adam, is how often I have gained new perspective and, and new light on my own story by hearing somebody else's. Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. And their take on their story uh, challenges my own perspective on my story. Uh-huh. And, right? right? Uh-huh. And stepping into their shoes for a moment and looking at it from another angle, it's as though my story changes. Uh, has my interpretation of events actually, uh, uh, to some degree, created those events? And I- am I scripting the future based on my interpretation of the past? I find myself asking that question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There's one thing, uh, selfishly, uh, I'm dying to talk to you about. And that is um, not just 
our individual stories, our individual lives. But um, how we relate to others, how how do we fit into the larger picture, the larger scheme of things? Uh, the reason, one of the reasons I want to ask the question is that I'm uh, re- recovering. I'm in 25 years in recovery from sex addiction, which, if we boil it down, is to a large degree an intimacy disorder. And the challenge for me in recovery has been to learn to be intimate with others, to have yes. the courage to step in, right? Uh, it's a, it's uh, often been a challenging, even a terrifying process. And I, I really resisted it up front. What I really wanted to do was I wanted to get to health without involving anybody else. Right? right? That's right. Yeah. yeah. That's the yeah, American yeah. way. Sure. Yeah. So uh, explain to me why that didn't work. Okay. The opposite of addiction. You know, you said recovery from sex addiction. Okay. But the opposite of any addiction mm-hmm. is not sobriety. It's connection. Absolutely. Right. So when you say it's an intimacy disorder, uh, fine. Uh, I, I think all addiction is an intimacy disorder, which is ah. another way of saying that when we are not connected emotionally, interpersonally, relationally, with thick cords of connection, when we're not mm. hearing and being heard, when we're not listening to and being listened to, when we don't have a sense that our experience is valid and that someone is bearing witness to our life, mm-hmm. yep. then we isolate our yep. brain fragments and yep. we tend to do whatever it takes to get some measure of peace, wholeness, regulation in our bodies. And if addiction mm-hmm. brings that, then we'll do an addiction. Right. Connection is always the way out connection mm-hmm. with other people and you your confession is just such a such a beautiful one you 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 weren't really interested in the relationship part you you just wanted to 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 get well <laughs> oh absolutely yeah 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 exactly uh you know part of the uh, legacy of my upbringing uh in a you know hyper religious environment was a lot of shame for it right okay uh, and shame drives us into isolation, to darkness. Yes. If, I, if I'm going to be seen, I'm going to be rejected That's at the right. very least and perhaps punished. Uh, so I can only allow myself to be seen when I have my shit together. That's right. Right. So I've got to work hard. And then when I step into the light, I'm on stage. The spotlight hits me. Now I've got to perform. That's right. And once again, if I do get applause for that performance, uh, it, the, the recognition and the approval rings hollow because at my core, I know I'm just putting on an act in order to get validation and acceptance. So, yeah, what are what are the different uh, how does that uh, that fear of connection? Where is that born? Where does our reluctance come from? Oh, that's a great question. For so many of us growing up, we were not met with attunement from our Mm -hmm. primary caregivers, with responsiveness from our caregivers, with engagement from our caregivers. And I'll define each of those terms in a minute. But all I want to say right now is that we were not well loved, Mm -hmm. which is to say 
we didn't experience a lot of connection from the two people that brought us into this world. Mm -hmm. And as a result, we felt very alone as a seven-year-old, a 12-year-old, a 15-year-old. Yes. And when that connection is lacking, when there is a, uh, a lack of attunement, responsiveness, and engagement from our parents, mm-hmm. then we are set up to be very suspicious of connection and in some ways to have an immense craving for it. But when it is offered, we don't know how to receive it. Why? Because we never developed the nervous system to receive care because it wasn't there for us. Mm, 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 So mm. let me break down those three words. Attunement means that the another person, a mom, a dad, is reading you emotionally when you're at the dinner table after a hard day in third grade. They are aware that you are not well inside. Mm-hmm. Parents have the ability to read the emotional state of children. Mm-hmm. When that is lacking, it, there is a profound sense of aloneness in the child. Yes. Mm-hmm. But attunement's not enough. The next piece that needs to be in place is we all needed responsiveness from our caregivers. A responsiveness mm-hmm. is okay, they noticed that your heart, that your face is fallen, your heart is sad. You had a hard day in seventh grade. How does mom or dad respond to what they see on your face? And if there isn't a pursuit of your heart, and that's the engagement piece, if there's not a drawing out of what's going on for you on the inside, Mm -hmm. then the child learns that they're basically an orphan. They're they're a functional Mm -hmm. orphan. They're alone in the world. Yes. And, and, And it's up to me to make my life work. Because Mm -hmm. there isn't an other who is going to help me, to help me regulate, to help me know what I'm feeling, to help me know Mm -hmm. what to do with my big feelings, to help Mm -hmm. me know how to navigate the mockery of middle school. I mean, all Mm -hmm. the things that we need elders for, Mm. that's lacking. And so the Mm -hmm. the, the, the felt sense of the boy or girl is I'm alone. I'm on my own. Yes. Yeah. And is this uh, profound, pervasive loneliness, this haunting loneliness, what makes us, is this the explanation for uh, hunger for validation from peers as we enter adolescence? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But that's that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, all of us, this is what it means to be created in the image of God. To be created in the image of God First of all, God is triune. Yes. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. means that I, that you, that each human being is created in the image of a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. A we yeah. and not an I. Mm-hmm. As a result, each of us is hardwired for relationship. So, validation from peers, you you are created by God to need the reflective gaze of peers to mirror to you that you are that you matter that you belong yes. yeah. that you are delighted in and mm-hmm. as we all know you know middle school high school uh, can be hellish for so many of us because there's this sense of i can't find a way to belong 
And yeah. belongingness is mm -hmm. a need for human beings because you're created in the image of a triune God. Right, 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 right. Well, then comes the magical day when you meet uh, what seems like your cosmic twin. For a moment, those, 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 uh, 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 you know... <sighs> The, the, the you know the personal boundaries uh, collapse and I and I, so and now I have this period of infatuation where I really do for a moment feel the ego boundaries have collapsed I feel seen I feel known I feel loved I abandon myself completely with a huge sense of relief right mm -hmm. and that lasts until our differences begin to emerge and until we start to disappoint each other. At least that's how I have seen it. And then the real work of relationship building begins in marriage. Mm -hmm. Does that make, is that accurate? Yeah, it's, it's accurate. It's so accurate because what happens in the heart of an adolescent mm -hmm. is we find that person, some of us, who feels mm -hmm. at first glance like they are going to fill every hole in my being. Yeah. They are going to rectify every absence, every place of lack. They, it, it's the sense of they see me, they enjoy me, mm -hmm. they delight in me, they welcome me, they even welcome the parts of me that aren't lovely. Mm -hmm. And that connection uh, fires what's called the attachment circuitry of our brain. And uh -huh. it is like, it's like, it's like an emotional and psychic orgasm. Okay, because right. oh, it's, yeah. it's this sense of I am home, yeah. I am relieved, I am yeah. released, I am free. Yeah. And it yeah. carries you, many people, through the wedding day. <laughs> mm. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right? It, it carries us yeah. into the absurdity of pledging yourself to another human being for life. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and then some things start to happen yeah that make um n nothing short of a marital crisis where it's mm -hmm. this sense of you're not the person i dated mm -hmm. and you're no longer doing for my brain and nervous system what you once did mm -hmm. and that can create a massive massive crisis Sure. Because, yeah. uh, you know, especially for people with a Christian background, you don't want to get divorced. Mm -hmm. Divorce is scary. Divorce might be, you might feel like if I get divorced, I'm out of God's will. I mean, there are so many factors that make marriage just a pressure cooker, so fraught. Yeah. But the biggest of them is you are now, my spouse is no longer doing for my nervous system, brain and body what they once did. Right, right. Yeah. But that sensation of having met the perfect person and that, that uh, intoxication, that period of intoxication can in itself become addictive. I can start to chase that and think that there is somebody in the world who, with whom I can maintain that perpetually. So now That's I right. can go, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. And, and that, and that doesn't even need to be a human being. I mean, it can be, it can be a bass guitar. It, it can be traveling. It can be, you know, climbing the corporate ladder. I mean, I think it was Lee Iacocca that said the loneliest moment in the world 
is when that which you think would deliver the ultimate lets you down. And for many, many people, many, many professionals, you know, you get to a certain stage in your career that you thought would fill the emptiness inside. Yeah. And when it disappoints, when you get there Mm -hmm. and it doesn't deliver, that is a profoundly lonely moment. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, uh, so here we are in this spot. We are made in the image of God as relational beings. We are structured for relationship. We will never be fully complete uh, unless we are in relationship, in connection with other people. And yet no person is going to be able to fill every hole or meet mm-hmm. every need. Mm-hmm. Right. So right. How, do I, how do I recalibrate and adjust and how do I find joy? Yes. <laughs> Yeah. 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 In well, in these in, in these relationships. Yeah. The the invitation is really to grief and feeling your unfelt feelings. So here's the deal. Okay. When the other person, whether it's a career, a spouse, a hobby, mm-hmm. whatever it is that you're looking to, when that doesn't come through anymore. Mm-hmm. You are faced with the invitation to start feeling some unfelt feelings that are in your body stored in the basement of your heart. Yeah. For many, many people, recovery is far more about will I feel my feelings than it is mm-hmm. about anything else. Yes. And, and that can be a very intimidating prospect when you don't even understand your feelings and you don't know how mm-hmm. you're going to contain your feelings. And there's mm-hmm. a sense of, okay, but if I feel that I might start crying and never stop, or yes. I will no longer be a functioning husband, father, coworker. It's this right. sense of, I will unravel if I go mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that if you can't, so, so, and yeah, you're, you're speaking, what you're saying is resonating so deeply with me. I can't tell you how many times I myself have said, my great fear is that if I start crying, I will never stop. That's right. Yes. Okay. Uh, if I look at the long list of a work I have yet to do. Right. Grief tops the list. That's right. Okay, uh, you know, I've I've made some ground, but precious little. Okay, mm-hmm. that being the case, what is uh, what inhibits us from grief? It's the fear that if I start start crying, I will never stop. Is it is is it feeling as though uh, there's not a safe place? There will not be comfort on the other side. Yeah. What can make it easier for me to enter into the grief? Yeah. I, I, let me answer the question about what prohibits us. I think it's one thing. Okay. It is my awareness that there is no village. Now that term, the village, mm-hmm. comes from a book called The Wild Edge of Sorrow by Francis Weller. I mean, it's ancient, it's an ancient term, but he mm-hmm. uses it. Francis Weller in The Wild Edge of Sorrow, he points out that at the core of our fear of grief is this belief that there will not be a community of people, elders, Mm -hmm. warriors, Mm -hmm. brothers, Mm -hmm. sisters, wise people who have done their own work that can contain and hold us and comfort us 
when yes. we are grieving. Yeah. And absent that, mm-hmm. we have a felt sense that I will never recover if I go there. Yeah. And so yeah. the, the, the invitation is, what if there were communities? What if there was two or three? What if there was one other person mm-hmm. that would truly be with you as mm-hmm. you felt some of these big feelings that are inside? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I have a felt sense that that community exists, and by community, it can be one person, two people, mm-hmm. three people, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. then I am going to be more apt to let my feelings flow. Yeah. To feel my feelings. Yeah. And when that happens, shifts occur in the brain. The reason we're stuck, many of us, yeah. is, is because we, there is no environment for us to feel our feelings mm-hmm. and let them yeah. flow through our bodies. Yeah. yeah. And when stuff can't flow, think of a river, right? Yeah. If it can't yeah. flow freely, Floods happen. Yes. And that's what happens in our bodies. We get flooded with overwhelming affect, overwhelming emotions that we don't Mm -hmm. know what to do with. Mm -hmm. And some of us shove those down and dissociate with various activities from iPhones to pornography. Others of us do different things in response, but they are all attempts to avoid feeling our feelings. Boy, that is so true that we need to have uh, the, the safety of another person, uh, yes. even if it's just one empathetic witness. I do know that those few times when I've tipped over into tears, I have yet to venture into the land of unfettered sobbing. Yes. <laughs> okay, yes. but I have felt the release of tears, and yes. that has always been in the company of, uh, well, in this case, a good attuned therapist who I know is with me. And he's almost, he's naming, he's watching my face, watching my body. He is naming what I'm, he's helping me cross the threshold into my own emotions. That's right, Nate. That's a great way of putting it. Helping you cross the threshold into your own reality, into what's actually in there. Yeah. And it is a threshold. It's a threshold that many of us fear. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the reason we fear it is because there is no village for many of us. There is no other. There is no, I don't have that therapist person that that Nate has. I don't have a friend that has done enough work and is healthy and mature enough that they can hold my big stories, my big traumas, my big feelings. And absent that person or persons, there is a sense in which I am utterly alone with this. And I know that I can't bear it. And you can't bear it because you need other people. That's God's fault. That's how God made human beings. He made us to need the village. Yeah, yeah. And I know that in my case, uh, the reluctance uh, 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 to to cry, to grieve, is that, I mean, I, I think it's deeply rooted. I mean, my father was very much, uh, you know, a macho guy who, you know, part of being courageous, part of being male was not to cry. And I was ashamed for crying. So boys don't cry. Right. Uh, I got the message very, and and, a a, a very large, I was nine years old when my mother died of suicide. Uh, 
And the next Sunday in church, we were singing, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. That's right. There, okay. There was, I, there was no grieving in our home because part of being a Christian was to rejoice in the Lord always. That's right. And we're going to put a big, she's in a better place. We're going to move on. And so the grief was unspoken and it was buried. But as I look back at our family, we were grief stricken from that point on. That's right. Yeah. Right. But but let's be clear. It wasn't the unbelievable sorrow. It wasn't the grief itself. It was, there was no container for you to feel it. I got you. Right. Yeah. And that's because you were singing, I got the joy, 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 the next Sunday. There was no yeah, yeah. space for you and your family and your father to feel right. all of the feelings associated with the death of your mother. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's why I envy those cultures that put a high premium on mourning, so high As that they'll I. even have mourners that show up that's to, right. to help prime the pump and carry the weight. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So... A big part of community uh, 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 connection, one of my needs for connection, is that I need people to help carry those big feelings. Uh, what are some of the other reasons that I need other people in order to live a full and complete life? Uh, you need other people to name you accurately in your stories. We all do. In other words, oh, yeah. you, you've got your stories. You just shared one. Mm -hmm. the death of your mother, you do not know how to tell that story truthfully and accurately by yourself because you're too yes. close to it. None of us yeah. do. Yeah. It was just normal for you. Mm -hmm. the, the family milieu was normal. So you cannot identify, put language to, articulate mm -hmm. what was true for you in your home growing up at that time without the eyes and, and, and responsiveness of another person who is speaking into your story. And by speaking into, I mean, they hear the story and mm -hmm. then they say, this is what I feel, Nate, when you tell me that you had to go to church six days after the suicide of your mother mm -hmm. yeah, and yeah. sing that song. This is what I feel. And then you have to deal with something in that moment. You have yeah. to deal with the perspective of another. Yes. Now, yeah. you, you, have, you have two choices at that point. You can either write them off and dismiss them. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, they might say, like I would say, that makes me furious to mm -hmm. see an image of you as a boy singing in church that particular song mm -hmm. that week of your life. Mm -hmm. You can either dismiss my fury or... You can let it be an invitation to, am, was, maybe I was angry as a boy and yeah. didn't have a space to feel it. Yeah, yeah. And in that process, that dialogical process of engagement, you will come to be named more accurately. You will come to be able to tell your story more truthfully. Mm-hmm. But you need other people to do that. Yes. This is why I, I, I often say the human heart cannot heal with a Bible, a cup of coffee, a journal, and a good view out your window. It can't. <laughs> oh, that is so true. And yet 
that's preached as gospel. Yep. Well, but it's not. It's not the yeah, gospel. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you, re- if you read Paul, it will become clear in the New Testament that if you asked Paul, where is this resurrected Christ that you speak mm-hmm. of, Paul yeah. would not have pointed to the heavens. Paul yeah. would have pointed to other Christians and said, there, there, there. Right. The body yeah. of Christ, the resurrected mm-hmm. Christ is alive on this earth. Where yes. is he? In other human beings. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, God meets me personally often, but mm-hmm. far more frequently, God meets me through the body of Christ, which is other Christians. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's amazing. I you know, growing up, you know, as a Christian, as an indoctrinated Christian, always willing to trust Christ, this uh, amorphous or this transcendent Christ, uh, unwilling to trust the body of Christ, didn't even believe in the body of Christ. I thought that was strictly a metaphor. Did not believe that Jesus is actually physically present on this planet in the lives of broken people. But it's amazing. It is amazing that uh, you know. I call a guy who I know is as messed up as I am, and Jesus answers the phone. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, Adam, I am so looking forward to uh, the first weekend of November. I know you're going to bring the goods to the men uh, who gather at Sky Ranch for the big Samson Society Summit. Uh Thank you so much for carving the time out of your schedule to come to that weekend and for mm-hmm. taking the time today out of your busy schedule to speak with us. Uh, uh, thank you very much. Yeah, I'm looking forward to November. I mean, for me, I hope it's clear, none of this is academic for me. It's not even professional. For mm-hmm. me, w- what I'll bring in November is how I have experienced healing from my wounds in the land of the living Mm. Uh, because I have come to experience and believe that Jesus Christ heals trauma in the land of the living, which is a psalmic expression for like on planet earth before heaven. Yeah. 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 And, and there are ways that I have experienced healing and there are, tons of ways that I have been told would help me that did not help me. And the the dilemma is when you're told do this and it will help you and it doesn't, mm-hmm. what you, yeah. what you feel is overwhelming shame and despair sure, and hopelessness right. yeah. because it's yeah. this yeah. sense of everyone's telling me to do this and it will help, but it's not helping me. Therefore there must be something wrong with me. Mm-hmm. And what I want to mm-hmm. say is uh, to folks in November is what if there's nothing wrong with you? Mm-hmm. What if mm-hmm. you are wounded from living mm-hmm. in a sinful world, from experiencing mm-hmm. some traumatic stuff? Mm-hmm. And what if your body needs to find the conditions for healing? Because mm-hmm. God made the body to heal naturally. Yes. When you get a cut, your body heals naturally. Do you put a bandaid on it? Sure. Do you care mm-hmm. for it? Yes. But in the right conditions, your body heals naturally. Mm-hmm. The same is true with our psyche, our souls, our emotions. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. We heal naturally when we have the right conditions for healing. And one of the primary condition points is we need other human beings to heal. Yes, yes. Well, that's a beautiful message, and I'm sure that you can uh, expand and amplify that. You know, we're going to give you plenty of time, but I'm sure you could use even more than what we're going to give you. (laughs) All right. Well, listeners, stay with us. We'll be back in just a moment on the Pirate Monk Podcast. And we are back on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Man, I love that conversation. (laughs) Was it? uh, You were uncharacteristically quiet, Aaron. You didn't interrupt him once. Well, it was so good. I didn't have to say anything. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you know what? I had a back and forth with Adam this morning talking about the Samson Summit happening very soon. And Mm -hmm. I got to say, I'm pretty stoked about it. We're going to do some fun things. He's going to do some. It's just going to be great. There's going to be that not just talking head, tell you what to think, but there's going to be that intensive part because that's who Adam is. He wants, okay. he wants guys to engage in their own story. Oh, beautiful. Beautiful. And that's coming up uh, in the first weekend in November 2023. Uh, if you have, listeners, if you have not yet registered, uh, get to it. It's uh, filling up the, you know, the, the, the semi-private rooms are gone. The private rooms are gone. But there's, there is something to be said. For uh, bunkhouse accommodations, for hanging with some other guys, uh, even during the nocturnal hours. It's a good time. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's it's filling up. It's going to be a fantastic weekend there at Sky Ranch in Texas. Man, I just look forward to hanging out with the guys. And, yep. and by the way, I also texted Andy Gullihorn, who's mm-hmm. going to be doing a concert again. Mm-hmm. It's, it's only <laughs> been a few years back, but I did write to him today, and I uh-huh. said, hey, I saw that you are the concert guy this year, but if they dump the entire weekend on us, I'm joining Celebrate Recovery. <laughs> and he said, yep, me too. Or something like that. So, because the last time, the last time it happened, uh, that was that was COVID, COVID uh, 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 November twenty twenty, and man. it wound up. Yeah, you and Andy had to make it up on the spot because yes. uh, the entire yeah, staff did. got taken out. Yeah. But he was so great. And by the way, yeah. the concert was amazing. So yeah. I'm so glad that so many other guys will get to hear him at this <laughs> this retreat. So Andy's going to be there and man, he's one of the OG, uh, Samson guys. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, Hey, we got to get out of here. We do. We do. Uh, because, uh, we've got to record other episodes, man. They're stacking them up. We have got the content coming on the pirate monk podcast. So until next time, I'm Nate and I'm Andy. No, I'm Aaron. (laughs) And we're your pal on the Pirate Monk Podcast.
The Pirate Monk Podcast is produced by members of the Samson Society. Send your feedback or questions to piratemonkpodcast at gmail.com. Please give us a five-star review on iTunes and share the podcast with a friend. For more information, please visit samsonsociety.com. <laughs>